Join culture creator Ramel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Kroc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. Anyway, I think there's going to be some good um, fights. Nonviolent. <laughs> it's like what or you always say. Violent. That's what politics is. It's... it's the way we sort things out in lieu of violence. Exactly. So these political fests will be a, a place of fighting in the mo- least violent of ways. A jockeying of interests. Yeah, sure. In a nonviolent way. Right. The democratic order. I don't know. I want to see some people take off their hoops. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Just kidding. No violence. Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with NewsRadio 600 Coco. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and editor-in-chief at Voice of San Diego. And I'm joined, as always, by Andy Keats, managing editor for Voice of San Diego. Hello, Andy. Hey, Scott. We did it. We gathered everybody, including fellow managing editor, Andre Lopez Villafano. What's up, Lopez? What's up? Good to be back. How long has it been since we've all, the gruesome threesome, been together in this room? Oh, well, I guess we've been... Some of us have been together and then switched off. Right. We always thought having three hosts would protect us from ever not having two <laughs> of us here, but that did not work out. We're glad to be back. Thanks for being here. Coming up on the show this week, some major transportation news dropped from the state of California. Is it the end of gas-powered cars? No. Is a mileage tax inevitable? No. We have a load of transportation news to drop off. Stay with us for that. Mayor Todd Gloria announced which bidding team he prefers to redevelop the sports arena land and the 50 or so acres that the city owns there. A big boost for that project is its promise, promise to build a bunch of affordable housing. We'll get into that. And finally, it's summer, so you're probably paying more for energy than you were a few months ago. It's crazy. You got to run a lot of AC, a lot more of that. But there are also some important business dynamics at play right now. Community Choice Energy is here. And now there's competition between that platform and the old monopoly, San Diego Gas and Electric. We're going to discuss the current energy politics and economics and the future of San Diego power. That's all coming up. Stay with us. 
But first, guys, I am struck by how in all of our entertainment options have changed, right? These streaming platforms, Disney Plus, all these ways to get information just directly to our eyeballs have changed. And yet, in spite of all that, they are still able to get commercials in our, in our faces really easily. Like we thought we beat commercials like 10 years ago. Remember that? When everybody's like, well, we don't have to watch commercials anymore. That's nice. I, I fear I'm going to come off as an re- insufferable hipster here. But I somehow have less exposure to political commercials than other people. Just judging based on the amount of conversation I hear about. Don't- uh, I, I don't. I, I saw one yesterday, which was like the first time I saw one. Really? So you but Padres games, don't you see them? Yeah, I do watch Padres games. I don't manage to see these commercials very often. Well, I don't know how. I you, don't know what it is. You might be the only person yeah. in California who is not seeing yeah. Proposition 27 ads and Proposition 26 ads just all over the place. And then ads about the ads and ads about the billboards about the ads. Yeah. It's a whole layered situation going on. Uh my son, we were watching uh, Padres the other night, and my wife asked a question, which beware if you ask me a politics question in our house uh, about Prop 27. And my son said, turned right away, and he said, oh, that's the one that supports the small tribes. And I was like, <laughs> wow, very impressive advertisers uh-huh. what you have achieved there that's to Incep- get, that is inception that's yeah, inception to get into his head that the one thing about prop 27 which which let's be clear is the ballot initiative that would legalize online sports betting that the thing you pull away from that and that you've successfully lodged into my uh, now 12 year old son's brain is that it supports small tribes that's the that's the sort of thing that like we still get emails all the time about why the lottery hasn't fixed schools right where it's like the message is so successful that decades later it's you, st- it's still in there even like, though the like, lottery like, is like the tiniest fraction of revenue for schools yeah everybody's like how come schools revenue isn't fixed i thought we passed the lottery <laughs> the people remember that very well I wonder there's got to be like some political consultant that like has just shelves of awards from different conferences that he went to from that campaign and there's like other consultants are just yeah. like the, John's the guy that wrote the the lottery thing about the schools yeah, like oh jeez that. that guy legend <laughs> like the Bob Dylan of political consulting <laughs> So let's just just to be clear since we are a public service journalism entity Prop 27 allows online gambling for the few companies that can A, pay a $100 million license fee, which is something, it's not nothing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then B, partner with some tribal gaming operator. So, uh, or I'm sorry, a a tribal gaming license holder, right? And so if they make that, there's only a few companies that can both run an online platform and make those kinds of deals and pay a $100 million dollars. So they're the ones that support Prop 27. Uh, it does give 85% of the 10% tax it pays. Mm-hmm. 85% of that will go to a fund to pay for homeless services and other 
related mental health issues. That's why they're, where they're coming with their claim, like we're going to provide solutions for homelessness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, okay, online gambling, it's going to solve homelessness. And then 15% will go to a fund for tribes and the development of tribes that do not have these gaming licenses. So that's where that comes from. The small tribes. Right. Part. Prop 26 is the one that a lot of gaming tribes are supporting that would allow sports betting, but only at their casinos, at their locations, not online. They- you have a sports book, you go get a drink, cocktail, watch the Lakers, bet on the Lakers. But you're not going to be doing it from your phone. Very di- different proposals. If there are parts of them that conflict, the one, and they both pass, the one with the most votes uh, wins. But I don't, I think there's a claim and I think it's valid that they do not conflict. Right. That they could both pass. Yes. That if that's 26 and 27 both pass, you have online gaming and, and you, you can have go to a casino. at casinos that have on-site games. All right, we are going to get into our topics, but first, we are in the middle of our August fundraising campaign. You nailed a little commercial about it yesterday for the socials. Thank you. Oh, yeah, you. it was super embarrassing, but very fun. It was very charismatic. <laughs> Thank you. I was you. very happy with it. <laughs> our goal is to raise $75,000 by Labor Day. When you give, you can write us a little note and support sh- uh, this show specifically, say nice things. Uh, so here's a few recent ones. Arlene Hammerschmidt said, Giving, given your recent coverage on the Oceanside Treasurer's Office situation, that's why I'm supporting you. Excellent in-depth research. That's a good story, by the way. Mm-hmm. Quite a twist provided by Ashley McGlone and Tiggis Lane. Check that out, voicesandiego.org. Matthew Oliver said, I appreciate local journalism that doesn't have to answer to corporate overlords. Thank you. That's the point. Get a bunch of people given a bunch of different amounts of money and we'll work it out. John Hoover, a shared hatred of fan palms and eucalyptus trees <laughs> that are holding the city back from real growth. Thank you, John. I was walking down the street the other day and there was a, a area, a very nicely shaded area mm-hmm. of four trees. And then I walked past it and there were four palm trees that provided no shade and it was hot. You started. Seems like a case study right there. Did you, get you started mad shouting again? at a, a a normal person walking by, not paying attention to this, and and you seemed sane. Yeah, that was a perfect opportunity for TikTok. Okay, that's what I tried to do. Oh no! <laughs> and it went it just poorly. So I trashed flat. the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, but I'll get on it. Thank you. Thanks for the encouragement. Mm-hmm. Emma Rodriguez says, "I love the podcast and the morning report." That's right, Emma. Thank you. Stephen Cook says, Voice San Diego is one of the two sources I trust. I want it to continue and grow. What's the other one? I know. I love not knowing the other one. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's this like time bomb. It's just sitting there. It's like, like, what is it? (laughs) Socialist workers world. (laughs) Never mind. Thank you, Stephen. (laughs) Julia Norris. I trust and enjoy your reporting. Thank you, Julia. I always look forward to the podcast. Thank you so much. Go to VOSD.org slash pod people to support it with the note that the pod is what matters. VOSD.org slash pod people. Thank you again. I appreciate your support.
All right, I'm turning to you, Andrea. You uh, you are our spokesperson. Charismatic. Our magnetic. <laughs> charisma. Person on PolitiFest. Take it away. That's going to be my Twitter bio now. Registration is now open for PolitiFest 2022. Head to politifest.org. You can sign up there and check out all our panels, debates, and programming. We'll talk about homelessness with Supervisor Nathan Fletcher and Mayor Todd Gloria. We'll have school board candidates, sheriff candidates, and more. And one of the coolest new features this year is PolitiFest South. That's our kickoff event in Chula Vista. We'll host a live podcast in partnership with Emo Brown Foundation and Three Punk Ales. We'll talk to mayoral candidates for Chula Vista and National City. Again, see all of that at politifest.org. We'll see you there. You guys, last week when I was gone, I took the week off. Uh, you took a trolley ride. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, this also, we should say, I just want to tell people, we recorded an episode last week. Yeah, it was it was noted. It was heartbreaking. It was destroyed. And so it was really good. And uh, it is it was, a shame. Was that it destroyed by our corporate over- overlords? Yes. <laughs> and it's a shame that no one will ever hear it. But like, don't lose sight of the fact it was very good. No, let's just be clear. I left and you failed. It was a very good episode <laughs> that we recorded. And by means outside of our control, mm-hmm. it was destroyed. Because I wasn't here. We don't know why. It's the it, first time it's happened in ever. Yeah. And, it, and it was the week I wasn't here. So what am I supposed to do with that information? Did you do something to our equipment? No, I was excited to hear mm-hmm. what you guys said about me when I was gone. Because you often clown on me and it's kind of, it may just boost my ego. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You took a trolley ride. We did. We saw, we uh, hung out with the, the top transportation official in California. Oh, was this one of those stage things that you went on the trolley with him? Well, he was. It was staged in the sense that he was between two meetings. Then he was going to take to them by trolley, uh-huh. and so I was one in Mission Valley it. and one in downtown. It was in Barrio Logan and then <laughs> Otai. <laughs> yes, and uh, we I we arranged an interview, and so that interview occurred on the trolley, got and it. then we got off halfway, and then took the trolley back up. Got it. So yes, I joined Andy to take photos. Okay. Yeah. But so one of the things I wanted to talk to him about was sort of the state's perspective on Sandeg's controversial idea to begin phasing out a gas tax to be replaced with a general charge for however much a person drives. Mm-hmm. Um, the one main argument for doing this is that the gas tax is trending down anyway because cars are getting more fuel efficient and eventually... That will only accelerate as more electric cars go on the road. And there is some time in the distant future when we wouldn't expect to generate any money from gas sales at all because cars will run without gas. And in that eventuality, you would need to fund road repairs a different way. It's kind of like how the sun will expand and eventually boil off all the oceans and end life on Earth. Right, right. (laughs) And uh, our existence will be as fleeting as... It's ha- it's going to happen. In, it's just a different timetable. So let's in just the, keep driving our cars. Yeah. <laughs> in an infinite sense, it's already happened. <laughs> True. As has all of our existence. Yeah. Um, so 
but the the other argument, and it, it's sort of you, the the argument that you use is depends who you're talking to. This is one of those policy discussions, is that the a road usage charge would would be a better incentive because we could we could fund transportation, yes, but we could do it by aligning that funding mechanism with our desire to limit congestion mm -hmm. and limit driving and get people out of their cars and to create a more urban living situation, mm -hmm. right? So I wanted to talk to the state official and say, so what do you think? Is uh, this going to happen? Because right now it's not even legal. You couldn't have a uh, driving fee if you wanted one. It's not legal. And it's not technologically possible at the moment. Like at least the technology hasn't been selected and deployed and implemented, all this stuff. And the ideas about it is kind of controversial, like putting a sensor on your car or whatever. Yeah. So there there is that. But like at the very least, the state would have to do something. If you if you could get past the op the fact that conservatives don't like it because they want to drive. And if you could get past the fact that you know, civil rights advocates don't like it because they don't like surveillance. If you could get past all those things, you would still need the state to allow you to do it. Mm -hmm. And the state would need to, I mean, right, most of the gas tax that you pay goes to the state anyway, not not San Diego County. Um, so if the idea is that we have to do this because we have to replace the gas tax, then the state also is a player in that party. So Sandag the San Diego Association of Governments, has this idea that this is all going to happen by 2030, that the state will have its own gas tax and then that Sandag, or excuse me, its own driving fee, and mm -hmm. that Sandag, following suit by 2030, will implement its own as well. And so I wanted to ask him if that was going to happen in eight years. And he wouldn't say that. He, he laughed and said, well, I'm not going to take the bait on whether Sandag's proposal is is reasonable, uh, but I agree that it's inevitable at some point. Now, everything is an inevitability in in universal time, right? Mm -hmm. if, if time and space are an infinite, infinite, then everything is true. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the question we have to ask is, in a finite timeline, is it inevitable? Mm -hmm. And that seems less true. I mean, the, the most recent uh, projections from at the state level Express, expect billions of dollars to be collected from state taxes 30 years in the future. So is it inevitable? Sure. Is it immediately inevitable? No, not not, not so. Now, um, you guys encountered somebody with a little bit more like local concern about transportation, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to paint the picture though of this awesome trolley ride. <laughs> Andy's awesome. It's, it's great to see him in the wild doing his reporter stuff. Um, but it was funny because they were both on the trolley and as people who ride the trolley know, the seats are like pretty close to each other. <laughs> so this entire and, conversation was and, taking place like. Yeah. Like within six inches of each other. And like <laughs> the seats are pretty small. And like Doug yeah. Shaken is, is taller than me. Okay. Yeah. So we're, You're an okay size person. We were, there was like a lot of like legs piled in <laughs> next to each other. And the trolley was pretty full. Yeah. And so we got on the trolley and there's like. Sandag people with us, uh, state know, people, just, yeah, just yeah. like so. It was a big Caltrans. group of us. I'm taking photos. Someone from Caltrans is taking photos, and so we're like a whole show on the trolley. So people are just staring at us. They're going about their day, like riding the trolley, going to work, whatever. And this man sits <clears throat> close to us, and he's just listening. And you know, Andy's asking him questions, and the guy's like, 
who is this guy? Like, what's going on here? And someone, someone from the state said, oh, he's so-and-so. You know, he's in charge of, like, this what you're writing on. Like, he's in charge of everything. And then the man kind of, like, sat there and he's like, ah, so he's the guy I got to talk about, about how there's no bathrooms in any trolley stops. And then and they all just, like, awkwardly shook their heads, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's true there's none. You yeah. can't. You can't operate as a, a public transportation rider in this town and comfortably maintain things of that nature. It's there's nowhere to go. It's yeah. crazy. It is. Yeah. I'm glad that he brought that up. Did 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 they get to the guy's ears? I don't think so. No, we were It was really we were talking about <laughs> what would happen about, about 2035 revenue in <laughs> <Yeah>. 2040. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of 2040, uh, along those lines, the state is passing a law at this moment yeah. that would ban the sale of new gasoline-powered internal combustion engine cars as of 2035. Now, that doesn't mean that the ones you have would be suddenly prohibited or they'd come and take them. Yes. Or that the ones you bought in 2034 would be taken it's just after that point you wouldn't get it but it seems like it would accelerate the point you just made about the inevitability of the gas tax not being able to fund our infrastructure yeah yeah i mean there's there's no real dispute that long term there's a, a genuine need to replace the revenue from the gas tax which the state of california has always relied on to do the primary job of maintaining and building new transportation projects with something else um, now whether it is specifically the thing that sandag expects it to be and specifically in 2030 as sandag's adopted regional plan says that it will be those are you know far less certain but um but by the time that the sun engulfs the earth and everything you've ever known and loved and all of our memories <laughs> it'll probably happen before then you can keep up with that and all of our transportation coverage at VOST.org slash Andy. Really? <laughs> VOST.org slash Andy. We have an update. We've been following this storyline with the Sports arena and the 50 or so acres that the city of San Diego owns in the sports arena area and the plan that it has to redevelop that. The three bidders that were remaining to take that job. The mayor has decided, Mayor Todd Gloria has decided that he likes one of them, the one that has had the sort of pole position from the beginning of this winnowing process. And that is Midway Rising, the team led by the developers Zephyr and Chelsea Investment Corporation. They have won the mayor's heart for this job. Now, the mayor doesn't get to decide unilaterally, but it's going to make he and his staff are going to make that recommendation to the city council. They want the city council to sign off on this team redeveloping that land. This team would then make a, a deal with the city on the exact specifics of what it would do based on what it promised with its bid. And uh, they want to get up, get it going on that. And they want to get this decided by the city council by early September so that this group of firms and supporters of this plan will put up money to help them pass the new uh, 
uh, exemption of the coastal height limit that needs to pass for any of this to happen. Uh, so you might remember 2020, we passed, or voters passed, uh, the exemption to the height limit west of I-5 for the Midway Pacific High, Highway Area Planning Area, which includes all the way from Old Town to the Sports Arena Land. And uh, that was thrown out by a court. So they want to get this settled so that the, the new guys can fund the campaign and help fund the campaign to get that done. Is that all a fair summary there? Uh, yeah, that's a great summary. It's all, all accurate. Thank you. It's true. Uh, so... I don't know. I, I mean, this was like kind of obvious from for a while. I remember people were pushing back on me because I said like, it seems clear that the city staff is saying that these guys, it's these guys' deal to lose. Mm-hmm. And all they're going to do is is look at the numbers that they've promised and see if they work out. And if they work out, they get the job. Mm-hmm. And apparently they've done the analysis and decided that it works out and they get the job, at least according to city staff. I mean, some of the, some of this was academic, right? Like they had made abundantly clear that they expected a new arena mm-hmm. that was large. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, you could eliminate every group that did not propose a brand new arena that was also large, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So, it, like, and that, that's not the only right. qualification. They listed the things that they were expecting and. At a certain point, it was just a matter of listening to them and looking at the numbers that they had all put on paper. It wasn't really a leap of faith. I still don't get it. Yeah. Like this this whole thing where the state says that if we're going to lease or sell land, we have to prioritize the project with the most affordable housing. Yeah. And then to say, but also we can make them build an arena. And then asking the state, like, well, can we? And it was like, yeah, the state doesn't keep you from setting other priorities as well. And it's just like, well, the other priority, like, it's a contradiction in terms. Yeah, it's, it, it's yeah, you can't have you can't have the most important priority, and then <laughs> and say, so that, but, but there's you can also, also prioritize other. Like, yeah. And when they asked him about that, he's like, remember that guy he showed up at the city council? He's like the the or- overlord on the screen and they're What's asking him funny? questions. <laughs> what? It's just like a just like a, a face. They like came in and out of focus over. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, "So can we do this?" And he's like, "Yeah, I don't know. We're just, we're just trying to figure this out myself." Oh, the state guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's just like constantly he's like, it's I, "Fair to say it, it wasn't a great performance." I I mean, he was fine. Like he's just like, "Look, we've never done this before. You're doing great, guys." Yeah. And they're, they're, yeah, they, I guess you're not allowed to say like. You guys are dumb. <laughs> you're doing great, sweetie. Um, I guess you you can't really say like, look, we're making this up as we go along. No, he was um, basically the, saying that the the rules were not handed down to us from God. We made them. But so. You can tell the city's basically like, hey, tell us that we have to do it this way with yeah, this yeah. with this bitter. And he's right. like, eh, yeah. I think so. But also, you know. But you could do a lot of things. if you wanted to do something (laughs) else. (laughs) So anyway, that's what's happening. The city, uh, these these bidders, they're taking the city staff all around. They built the Dallas Cowboys, like, uh, headquarters. So that's the one. Not Jerry World. Not not, Jerry World. The, the, like, the practice Not the actual stadium. They built the headquarters, which apparently is an attraction itself uh, and a little shopping center and stuff. 
So if you like the Dallas Cowboys the horrors of this world <laughs> in Frisco, it's, it's a town called Frisco, Texas. Then that's your that's your bag for sports arena. Okay, uh, that's the Legends Group. They're the ones building. Remember the so I did a little survey of the arenas. This is the biggest proposed arena. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Still not quite big enough. Although they say they could try to get one in for uh, an arena for uh, uh, an NHL or NBA team. Mm-hmm. But again, then neither of those are ever coming to San Diego. So stop yeah. worrying about that. I mean, it's possible that in like thirty or forty years. You before would want the those, sun those le- melts away the earth. Before that, like after now, but before <laughs> the end of all existence, that those leagues could expand to be like 60, 70 teams. And at that point, I think we'd be in play. Yeah. But as long as they're in the realm of 30 teams, you know, that's just not happening. Uh, remember, all of these are still illegal. They got to pass the height limit change. The housing committee, uh, the special land use and housing committee for the city council is going to review it September 8th and make a recommendation to the rest of the council. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Join culture creator Remel Wallace, museum CEO Micah Parson, philanthropist Erwin Jacobs, and urban agriculturist Diane Moss on season two of Stop and Talk, a podcast about the future of the San Diego region. How can we create a vibrant region that celebrates our cultural richness and economic strength? Find out and hear other San Diego experts on Stop and Talk. Discover seasons one and two now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's Program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. Are you looking to engage with regional decision makers, business leaders, elected officials, and industry professionals committed to improving downtown San Diego? Join the Downtown San Diego Partnership. As a member, you'll receive access to exclusive resources, exposure to special programming, networking functions, and additional opportunities unmatched by any other local membership-based organization. Join the driving forces behind the future of downtown San Diego. For a 10% discount, become a member today. All right, energy from San Diego's brand new public power companies is more expensive than its competitor. That used to be the energy monopoly in the region known as San Diego Gas and Electric. The whole conceit of these new power companies was to boost competition and thereby lower prices. So, mission accomplished? Mm. Well, our environment reporter... I mean, you could say, yeah, but there's some folks who are not happy about the outcomes right now. There are people who are very upset, and (laughs) I'm intrigued by it as somebody who has watched with interest since the conversation on the creation of these community power agencies started, because... 
I think back then, go back, go back to like 2014, a world in which the community power energy power, excuse me, the community power companies came online after years of work and SDG&E immediately lowered its prices to be more favorable than those competitors would have been one in which the advocates of these companies celebrated. Yeah. See, we told you this. We would be told what- you that they had been overcharging you because they were a monopoly and that the solution was to bring competition to the energy market. That is not how this was greeted though, right? Yeah. So uh, again, this is the th- this is the companies you have to pay to go and buy your power. Right. SDG&E is still delivering the power and you're still going to be paying them to, for that service, correct? And you're going to be paying the debt service on all of the bonds that they had to take out to build all of the physical infrastructure associated with delivering that power. Right. And they can actually charge a profit on that. But that's essentially a separate charge from power itself, the power that you use. Right. And so this month, next month, Mm-hmm. They are going to send out to you yeah. a comparison of average bills. Mm-hmm. If you s- stay with the community power program, so if you don't do anything, you'll be moved to the community power, the new agency. The default, the default mode. Everyone has been pushed into these community, these public agencies run by elected officials that provide energy. You can opt out of that and back into SDG&E if you choose. So in everybody's mailbox, you're going to get a comparison of rates if you stay in that new system or if you wanted to opt back into SDG&E. And SDG&E has managed through this effort Mm -hmm. to make its number smaller than the alternative. Yeah. And so like in the lead up to this, as these things were, as it was getting closer and closer that these things were going to come online after all these years of discussing the policy reasons for creating them and going through the logistical issues of actually creating them. It was their, their projections were still that the community power agencies would be cheaper though narrowly. Mm-hmm. It was it was not going to be a significant cost savings. It was going to be a, a pretty narrow cost savings based on projections. Right? Some of them literally have like the explicit mission to keep it like two percent lower or something. Yes, right. right. The, the that's the um, agency that serves as North County right. power users. Um, now we should say that there were there were two goals of these. One was to introduce competition to the market and lower prices. The other was to hasten our transition to renewable energy. And the community power agencies do have a larger share of their portfolio coming from renewable sources. So we're we're talking, you know, in the context of these price comparisons, keep in mind we are, it is true that these community power agencies have a larger share of renewable energy than SDG&E currently sells you. Um, but then like right in June, just like just a couple weeks ago, uh, SDG&E lowered its prices. And to the point that it was no longer a narrow difference between them. Well, it was a narrow difference, but it was a narrow difference now where SDG&E is cheaper. Yeah. Our Mackenzie Elmer did a story. Community power leaders are steaming about SDG&E's price cut right before consumers compare those rates. So they are mad because they say that this was a, something of a deceptive, deceptive and manipulative. Yes. Yeah. That they're uh, 
hey, you, you did how, how did right I, at the moment that people are going to be making a choice whether to opt out or not, mm-hmm. you've lowered prices. And so, at a moment where people are like really struggling, things are yeah. expensive. Even if you could just save like a couple bucks, you're going to do it. We did a and, whole and, week on the cost of living crisis. <laughs> like this is a big part of it, right? And now, so I got to say, I like I think there's a perfectly reasonable case to be made that if what you're saying is whoa, 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 it's unfair that you're lowering prices in order to be more appealing to people who would like to pay lower prices, that maybe you've lost the plot a little bit. If like your argument is like SDG&E should be obligated to charge more money. I think that's a strange thing to be out there advocating for. Well, what their their logic is. Right. You're right. But I I just want to stipulate that because I I imagine that there are people who are sitting here going, why are people angry that SDG&E has decided to offer me an opportunity to save money? Their argument is that SDG&E has manipulated its projections about how much energy will cost in order to make this possible Mm -hmm. and that they'll eventually have to make up this difference and it'd be some kind of like balloon payment or whatever. Yes. And they also point out that SDG already has a rate increase in the works for next year. And so I, I think what's interesting about it is the question is, did they lower the rates in a way that is going to have to be made up in a balloon payment that would make wipe away all those savings? In which case, I think if that's known now and not being communicated now, I think that is fair to call it deceptive. Or is it just that's you're going to have to do it because it's how can it be like it'd be like a a small business complaining about Amazon saying like they can't charge that low rate. They're going to have to make up that difference because of how expensive it is. We've been doing this business for a long time. It's so expensive to do. Right. And I think what Amazon keeps proving is that, no, they just can keep it low and ruin you. Yes. And so the question is, will that still happen? And then the, the other question is, does that rate increase go up and do the community power, are they able to avoid that similar rate increase based on the cost of their own renewable energy projects and stuff? Yes. So so for, so for to put some, some meat on this bone, the little card that will be sent out to everybody that puts uh, these comparisons in front of, your, in front of you, um, just comparing the base SDG&E plan, which is 31% renewable, to the base San Diego Community Power Plan, which is 50% renewable. Um, The price per kilowatt hour, which is sort of like one unit of of energy, is about 11.8 cents from SDG&E. From San Diego Community Power, it's about 12 cents. So the average household, the average monthly user uses about 327 kilowatt hours, uh, kilowatts per hour of energy. So over the course of a month, that comparison would be $38.58 for SDG&E and $39.24 for San Diego Community Power. So when we say this is like a narrow difference, it is is literally less than $1 per month. But you could, as a community power person, you could say... Well, yeah, but you get 20. a much more renewable source so if you care at all about all this stuff. You, you're you're getting basically the same price yes. for a much more renewable portfolio. A totally viable argument would be this is a small price to pay mm-hmm. for. But they really wanted to have a lower price. They really wanted to have a lower price. And they Does don't that have fit one. on the card? 
<laughs> it that's on the card. Yeah. That, oh. that's all a little the, percent. Yeah, the is percentage on is on the card as well. Yes. But does it like break it down the way you guys just did? Uh the average monthly usage uh is there, but you would have to do the math yourself. Mm. So mm. so no, it is not. That's why people need the voice standing. Yeah. yeah. There's in the world of government there's always one very simple math problem that needs to be done to make the thing <laughs> meaningful that this that the government never does for yeah, you it's yeah. crazy and it's it's not like it doesn't involve square roots it's mm-hmm. always like multiplication or like not just, just multiplying that. two numbers together but it would be useful to actually do it that they but they just won't you know? never it, it happens a lot too with like taking credit for things yeah. you know you'll drive onto a a, a freeway in yeah. san diego and it'll mm-hmm. say hey this paid inter- for by transnet or paid for by the gas tax paid, sb1 sb1 right. yeah right. it'll it'll it won't even say gas to gas it'll say paid for by sb1 right why don't you just put that this is the gas tax that everybody was complaining about or, yeah. or make it a little bit more clearer yeah nobody knows what sb1 is you dummies yeah i Sorry, you're not you've, done. You've, you've steered me into something I really would like to talk about. Go ahead. Let's go. This is our podcast. Well, let me just say that, that they've created a labyrinthine system of funding transportation by which they can claim that everything yes. is paid for by everything. Yes, and take credit for and it. And also that nothing could exist without everything. Yes. And so those signs are always true, but also always meaningless <laughs> because- the the five every every bit of work that has been done on the five in San Diego County has included some money from Transnet mm-hmm. and some money from SB one and some money from the gas tanks pr- tax prior to SB one. So you could literally and some federal. So like when yeah, you can literally have Biden Trump. It, it, it de- uh, what, de- have what it depends on <laughs> is what is most likely to next be on the ballot. Mm. <laughs> it seems like a PR thing that they're missing. Like they should. Oh no no no! They get it right. They they they've got like. They, I witnessed signs being taken down that said like paid for with your transnet dollars and replaced with like paid for by SB1 dollars. <laughs> and like both of those things were true. <laughs> but anyway, so what I would say, though, about what's really missing, it, it would be nice to have somebody do that math to just say, you know, we're, we're, this is what we're talking about over the course of a month. I think the piece of information that you actually need, at least to validate this claim that there's something deceptive going on with this, the timing of this price cut is what will it cost in a year? Because once you've, once you've stayed in this payment structure, you can't leave for a year. You have to be there for a year. You can't jump in and out based on the monthly price fluctuations. It's, it's opt in and then you, you're subscribed to that price for the whole time. I, well, I, then I want to know what the price is going to be in 11 months, not just right now. Yeah. And, it's and, not- the, and the allegation here is that this price that is going to be put in front of your face when you're making this decision isn't the real price. And so it, I think if we've created a new regime by which people in San Diego County get to choose who they buy energy from, we've only gone half of the way to actually providing them the information they need to make that choice mm-hmm. in an informed way. I think it's it's... It's like this, it's fascinating to see these market dynamics come into this space, right? Because this happens everywhere. You mm-hmm. worked at the UT. They would sometimes say $90 for a whole year subscription. And then when the year's over, it's $400 or something, the right? The difference being that you're allowed to just cancel the subscription at that exactly. point. Exactly. And yeah. so 
So is that what we're seeing here that you'll you'll get the $90 deal and then all of a sudden it's going to be $400 but you but un, unlike with the UT subscription you can't cancel it. Or point. is SDG&E really trying to create enough savings and cut costs enough to to be more competitive? It's it's like if you, you know, like a move-in special for an apartment. Somebody offers you first month free to get you in. Yeah. But you know what the rent is. And so you calculate out what you're going to be paying in the 11 months that you'll be paying that. You spread it across 12 months to compare it to the other apartment that you would have otherwise rented that is charging you for 12 right. full months, but at a lower rate, right? Mm -hmm. And then you do a comparison, you see how much. This feels like that, except with the possibility that you actually have a market responsive rent over the course of 12 months. You don't get to know for sure what your rent payment will be in 11 months because if something changes, they get to just jack it up on you within the course of your lease. I think, so we've talked about the people who are, yeah, talking about the potential deceptive angle, right? It, but that's, that's the case if this is true. Now, if, it, if this is just the price, then, you know, I, I kind of, I, I agree that people are making a very odd claim that they would like San Diego gas right. and electric to charge more money. But it is kind of an own goal on SDG&E's part too, mm -hmm. after they like subtly and very legally and ethically opposed community choice to now be Always like- Always above board and without <laughs> any sort of, sort of suspicious tactics. To now be like lowering prices in obvious competition mm -hmm. and obviously acknowledging thus yeah. the central premise of the competition. Yes. And so it's fascinating just development in this whole, I would not have predicted this to happen and I'm glad that McKinsey did a good job sort of capturing it. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast that puts on its own public affairs sort of festival. You might call it PolitiFest every year, and it's just amazing. So we are the most popular public affairs podcast that does that as well. Get the newsletter for this show and all our great columns at vosd.org slash newsletters. That's vosd.org slash newsletters. You can get the politics report, the learning curve, the North County report, all of those vosd.org slash newsletters. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice of San Diego. Andrew Keats is Managing Editor. Andre Lopez Villafania is also Managing Editor. Nate John is our excellent producer. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.